0: to tonight's episode of the Uncorked Corner podcast. I'm Bianca, I'm here with Nick and our special guest here, Corinne from Mexigen. Corinne, can you get us started by introducing yourself, telling us how you got into the industry, and then of course dive into a little bit about Mexigen and what makes it special?
1: Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me, Bianca and Nick, tonight. Happy to talk to you about all things... Gin for gin lovers and gin haters, which is what we always say. That's kind of how we started this mission. Um, so do not have a background in gin, do not have an alcohol, uh, a, a background in liquor, alcohol, licensing, all of that kind of thing. So um, really came straight out of the gate um, from a consulting background and then also worked more on Wall Street, finance, that whole world in New York City. So um, dabbled in just looking at really liquor store shelves and looking at you know bar shelves and saying tequila is having its moment for sure there's mezcal which is super hot lots of different types of flavored vodkas a lot going on with rum and buckets and this and that and we just sort of looked at my business partner and i just sort of looked at the gin selection and said Uh, You know, there's some experimentation going on, which is great. And a lot has happened since the pandemic, but um, not as much activity there. So pre-pandemic, my partner and I started to sort of experimenting with flavors. I love to cook. Uh, I love spice. There's always sort of a uh, bottle of Cholula or Hank's or something nearby. So uh, said, you know, what's happening with what is gin, right? It's a very almost botanical forward. A lot of the gins go botanical forward. So said, okay, well, why don't we try and take it and heat it up? give it a little bit of a judge and put it in some drinks that may or may not be typical gin drinks. And that's what we did. So lots of trial and error, lots of flavor profile testing. Later, uh, we came up with Mexican, which is literally Mexican spiced gin. So sustainably sourced um, peppers and spices and flavors from Mexico and Latin American regions. And that's how we got to Mexican. And um, you know, our goal was really, in the beginning and i hopefully we accomplished it is to set out to sort of create a gin that's like a sipper um so You know, something you can have neat, something you can have on the rocks. Most people do not go to the bar and order, you know, gin straight. Um, So, something along those lines, because I do like a scotch or a bourbon or something like that myself, um, as well as something where you could almost kick up the heat in a traditional gin drink. So, think like Negroni, but with a little bit of a kick. um, And then also take it and really, kind of rock the world of non-gin drinks so when you're thinking about a Manhattan or um you know espresso martini uh things along those lines and and certainly you know we've kind of really run the gamut here as far as like you know how people have been mixologists particularly have embraced it and have been using it so that was our goal um our other priority with mexigen was really to uh have the heat come was come at you on the back end so not that sort of uh, jalapeno forward type burn the lips um, heat, but more of like a slow roll into it. So you kind of get the smooth citrusy notes on the front end, and then you got to get that, you know, kind of heat on the back end. So that's what we were going for. Um, so I hope you under, uh, you know, you, you appreciate that when you're, uh, you appreciate those notes when you're drinking it yourself. So that's, you know, sort of how we came about ex- 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 just creating Mexican and what our goals were as far as the three tiered approach.
2: Absolutely. Well, I myself am a whiskey drinker and also an ajo tequila and definitely like to drink my spirits straight. So I'm excited for this. Uh, the first thing that hit me was the color when I looked yes. at it. It is yes. so much darker than any other gin that I've ever seen. So, very
1: amber hue. Yes, for sure.
2: Yep. So, so that hit me. Um, yes. And then also the smell on the nose it smells great. One question that I had, so being a okay. gin and one thing I've learned doing this podcast is that gin is a it's a spirit that can be so diverse and there's so many different gins at different palates. How much of this was borrowed from like kind of a prototypical or a, you know, a typical gin uh, botanicals and how much of this doesn't follow that and completely bucks that trend is a spirit on its own.
1: So uh, for the TTB government, a formula approval, it has to be 51% juniper, otherwise it's not gin. Um, so, and if you, I'm sure your very well-educated uh, audience already knows, but I will just bring it up. So vodka, gin is vodka, sort of distilled one more time over with the juniper. Um, So to get that distillate uh, approval, you have to have the 51% juniper. So we that's, you know, obviously we stuck to those guidelines. um, But then we really went deep in for the different spices, flavors and peppers that would bring out that heat, like I said, on the back end. So that's really what's appealing to, um, as I mentioned, you know, mixologists who have played with it because it gives them that layer of flavor that's kind of being built from, yes, it's gin. So it has those notes that are the traditional gin, but then on top of that, you're building in those layers of flavor that kind of hit as you drink it.
0: And I personally very much enjoy gin. So this is obviously new for me in terms of the flavor profile, but the most common thing that I hear from friends, family and other people I'd meet and that don't like gin or they're self proclaimed just don't like it. And I always ask why. And the typical response is because it tastes like Christmas trees. Yep. Which is such a oh, you yeah. know, it, it always comes up. Um, so what is that? And are they gonna find that in yours a magic no, but can you touch yeah. on that a little bit? Yeah.
1: No, 100%. So if you let me kind of talk about this in two ways. So there's sort of the on-prem um, success we've had with Mexican, which answers one of your questions and then off-prem. So I just want to kind of go into it. So it's, it's kind of funny. So when we first came out of the gate, we were, um, like I mentioned, we kind of came out of the gate in pandemic, which was a little crazy. Um, and we immediately were embraced um, by the David Burke restaurants and I know I think you guys are in Massachusetts, if I'm not mistaken, um, in that region. Um, But David Burke is a pretty well known chef in New York, New Jersey and the tri state so um, we ended up on a a number of his menus and a variety of cocktails and Bianca it it's funny cause the fir- very first drink we had on his menu was called an act of contrition. And it's a riff on a French 75, which I've listened. And I think that's one of your faves. So it's uh champagne and Mexican and um, passion fruit. So, and actually Burke, David Burke named it himself actually cause it was on a brunch cocktail. So to answer your question there, There is definitely not that pine, you know, kind of like Christmas tree, grandma's perfume. We've heard all of those things, um, notes to it. It's definitely, like I said, it's, it kind of takes a regular, like a classic cocktail and elevates it to another level. It just sort of adds that little bit of heat where if something's super fruity, almost like think super fruity sangria, um, sometimes sangria for me is a little too much sweet. Um, This kind of cuts through that very fruity, fruity, fruity. Um, we recently just did a shoot out in Vegas with Todd English, a different celebrity chef, and he was noting, um, you know, it's a kind of a modern twist on a classic cocktail. It's the way he likes to cook. So he was, you know, kind of promoting Mexican that way and that he does fire and he does heat and he does peppers. And that's sort of where this goes, but it's on, again, the back end. Um, second part of that, like I promised was the off-prem conversation. So when I first started doing liquor store tastings, I would actually, in fact, not tell anyone that this was mine. I would just act as a, you know, a brand rep and people would walk in and say, I absolutely hate gin, no gin, no gin. And I would sample with a margarita and people would be like, that's disgusting. You know, it's just a natural inclination. And I totally get it. Cause I probably have done it myself. And By the time they left, they were ordering bottles, they were buying bottles off the shelf, you know, three bottles, two bottles, my son would love this, I'm sending it to, you know, my aunt, my uncle, whatever, uh, my kid in college, so it was a, it was um, definitely a different interpretation of doing the gin thing, and people would walk in and say all of those things, and I literally had someone say, I've always hated gin, but I love this gin. So that was when we knew we were sort of on to something in a, in a liquor store where we sold out every single bottle. So it was great, great, great feedback.
2: And I just, uh, I tasted this myself here. So what I first yeah. noticed on the tasting, definitely you get that, those botanicals kind of heavy on the front there. It's nice and refreshing and you do kind of get that freshness off of it. And then that back end, that spice really does come through on the back yes. of that tongue and in the throat. But you're right, it's not like an upfront like, oh my god, my tongue burns type of spice. Now, I'm big into spicy food, so I'm going to give that yep. disclosure. I'm the type of person that someone asks me if something's spicy, I yes. say no and then they eat it and their head feels like it's going to blow off. But yes. uh, I'm not getting a like too much spice on. it You're just getting that nice heat off the back of it. Yeah. Really nice. And you that know.
1: was yeah, and Nick, that's actually how we started. Was one of the first things we played with was the Manhattan, like a classic Manhattan cuz I do like you know, like yourself, a scotch, a bourbon. Um, And it was, that was sort of when we were like, wow, this is like some, you know, it was a Manhattan that kind of left you with that little bit of like wanting a little bit more um, for the next sip because you're like, oh, there's something unexpected there at the end. It doesn't sort of fall off, which sometimes it can. And it just depends on, you know, what you're mixing it with. And Trust me, I'm not putting down any other brands in any way, shape, or form. We're fans of all of them. But um, it's just an interesting take to have that little bit of elevated heat.
2: And uh having this color to it and, you know, having yep. this sort of flavor. One thing that's hit me. So what is this? What's the process for making this with barrels and things like that? Is this being finished in certain types of barrels or aged for any certain amount of time?
1: No. So that's a big question we get all the time. So it's not, um, it's actually it's a distinct a distinct, uh, different process than what you would normally have in an aged barrel. So this is um, a regular distillation process, not aged or in a barrel at all, like as far as that goes for the process of, of maturation. So this is maceration, but not maturation. So it's um, it's a totally, it's just a regular process where we are literally using um, just the gin is being infused with all of these types of, you know, different flavorings. So it's not, it doesn't have to go through an aging process. It's just um, flavored and the color is completely 100% natural. Everything is natural, you see. Um, it's just, it comes from the, it really derives from the different peppers and spices that we're using. It's a, it's a secret, it's the secret, you know, Heinz 57 KFC <laughs> recipe.
0: And you had mentioned that you know, obviously you're not putting other brands down and I look at it from, this is such a great community and that's why Nick and I love this is that there's so many different spirits and they all meet different people in different places. And there's really not, you know, you might have a favorite but for us, it's, we enjoy everything, right? Exactly, yep. And I love that you can make different cocktails with this. So it's not just like, you know, your your gin and tonic that you would think, all right, gin, gin and tonic, French 75, you know, there's, there's those couple of cocktails that are really well known. This you can kind of put in a lot of different things, and I love that. And I made the New York Sour before this, and it was really, really good. Um, my husband stole it; he's up there with it now. <laughs> but that was delicious. Um, and you would send us some great cocktails that were, you know, I would never have thought to yeah. put gin, like the typical gin, in those. Uh, so I just wanted to say that it, it definitely is unique in that way, and I think it's a, a really good flavor profile for people who. Maybe are between a couple of different types of spirits. You know, maybe they don't love a whiskey, maybe they don't love a gin, but this is kind of like a really cool hybrid. I think in the terms yes. of the
1: that you have. Thank you so much. Thank you for saying that. It definitely is. um A hybrid's a great word for it because it's. Really, people who love gin, we did a gin club, um, you know, sort of a gin tasting in New York City, which is pretty critical as far as you know, people's taste and things like that go. And, um, everybody there embraced it, loved it. We did get pushed back on the (laughs) botanicals, I'm not gonna lie. Um, but they, you know, at the end, it was like we made all these really cool, like matcha tea, and you know, all these just really interesting recipes and whatnot. And, like I said, our mixologists are have been just fantastic with, you know, creating things that are the three, like we, you know, I, I originally, you know, spoke to you about the three ingredient type of cocktails. We have these fancy cocktails as well, very craft cocktails, but sometimes you just want to sit at home and make a simple drink and a margarita, a mule, uh, espresso martini, you know, some of my favorites with Mexican um, for sure. Um, and I think that's what this does. You know, it kind of gives you that, you know, flexibility to, add it to a lot of cocktails that are just classics Um and you can enjoy it in a wide variety of ways. We even smoke it. So that's even more fun. Smoked gin. It's, it's a thing. <laughs> we have a smoker box and all of it. So it's kind of fun. It's, it's awesome.
2: A, it one that perfect. you mentioned there, the espresso martini is definitely one that I'm going to have to try. I love making those, yes. nice, you know, made them here in the past. Now that seems like almost like a spin on like a Mexican coffee type with the chili powder and everything. And I could definitely see that being a delicious cocktail. So that one's going to be coming up soon. I'm definitely going to try that.
1: Excellent. That's one of my favorites. And then I we're I'm in Florida currently so we're just starting that, like season down here I know like that's the thing but um so there's a beach Negroni recipe out there on Instagram um you should definitely try that too and maybe it's off season a little bit but when it gets a little warmer um it's a take on a it's a riff on a regular Negroni it just has pomple mousse in it with grapefruit Aperol and equal parts Mexican pomple mousse and Aperol and I I give uh chickologist Rachel Robbins who is one of our um our mexigen mixologist um she has created that one and it's fantastic as well so try that one when it's maybe a little bit warmer or maybe when you reminisce for warmer days you can
2: (laughs) it's 35 (laughs) here right now so we're gonna we got some time before we have that
0: yeah
1: yeah (laughs) for sure well if you want
0: to be in a warmer state of mind i guess right
1: yeah exactly (laughs) exactly we
0: we have talked about on here a few times um actually with one of our our mixologists that we've worked with a few times um cocktails bar cart staples so things that people should always have in their bar cart kind of those things that go in a lot of different mixed drinks yeah and you as you mentioned you have a lot of you know there's there can always be complicated recipes, things that you probably won't have on hand, but you also have a good amount of recipes that are pretty simple for people to make at home. Can you give us an example of what one of those kind of bar cart staple recipes might be if I was to go buy this tomorrow without having to um, break the bank on a whole bunch of different ingredients?
1: Sure, absolutely. I mean, it's actually funny because when we, again, when we first started this, we were working with what we had. So it was, you know, sort of open the fridge and, and go and does this work? You know, it was just sort of like, okay, we like it neat. We like it on the rocks. The next step is, does it work with ginger ale? So I always joke, it's like the Mexa of ginger ale because it just is a natural, it's like an easier way to kind of whip up a mule if you don't even have ginger beer. And I actually... I conveniently have a mule here but I um it's but the I just really even if you don't have ginger beer like a little lime which some people have most people have you know kind of lying around and like ginger ale and it, and the mexican gives it like an extra little kick. Um I think that's a great easy just entree in to get and then you see the heat and what, how it works and how it plays. Um so that definitely is one that comes to mind. Another one is bizarrely um a white Russian, which is sort of like an older drink, um, but with like the Kahlua and the milk and the kick of Mexican like I always say like it's a great drink for like it's like a refreshing like almost like end of night type of drink it's the opposite almost nick of a espresso martini but it has that like cooling factor and it's like a lot of people have that actually sitting around in their bar cart so it's like if you have an extra bottle of kaluma lying around pour it in and, and mix it up and it's like a little nice like end of like especially in the winter it's a it's a really good one so Lots of experimentation there, but a mule, like I said, I mean, margarita, even when I would do those liquor store tastings, I would do it in a margarita mix and just add in, you know, the Mexican. And it's just, it's a simple, easy way to cut through that super, super sugary, which sometimes is a little bit like tartish or too sweet. Um, And the Mexican kind of plays well in that space.
2: And to piggyback off that, one of my favorite simple cocktails that I really just uh, keyed into this year was ranch water. So you take like Topo Chico or some sort of sparkling mineral water, Blanco tequila and some lime, and then Tajin for the spice, swap out the tequila for this. I think that would be a perfect fit along with that. And I think that could be another delicious, really simple one for anyone listening. Yeah.
1: And I mean, even just simple like pineapple juice, um, grapefruit juice, like all of those types of like anything you have that's like around, you know, lying around that's like sweet flavor. I mean, what another one of my favorites is a it's called a Mexican sunset, and it's like a puree of raspberries, and it's delicious. Like it just it works in that very kind of whatever you have lying around, (laughs) puree it up and throw in the, you know, gin and you have a cocktail. So throw it on ice or it's, it's really, really, it's good with all of that type of thing. So agreed. And with the season,
0: one of the things that I've been playing around with a lot is the idea of like the spiked cider or the mold cider. And I can definitely kind of based on what you said with the, um, the like heavier milkier drinks with this, I could definitely see the spice working in that. I can imagine it would also be great in something like a a spiked cider or like one of those warmer kind of fall comfort drinks.
1: Have
0: you put it in any warm cocktails and, and yes kind of actually
1: we've done a malt cider um another mixologist who I will shout out Chris James um up in New Jersey and New York he did a mold cider warm it was amazing so delicious so absolutely it works and um we've done it in like an apple pie dessert type of drink um so good with the cinnamon um yeah all of those drinks work which is Again, like part of what we were trying to accomplish with Maxi Gin was, you know, people think gin traditionally, it's like, okay, gin and tonic ends in Labor Day or like white pants, right? Like it's sort of like the connotation. Um, But it's like bringing it year round and making it that gin by the fireplace, gin at a steakhouse, gin like just as a sipper. And also to your point, 100% fall cocktails, winter cocktails. Um, Just something that can be year round. So 100% you're on point with all of those things. But then again, like the fun, you know, sort of fruity ones, but the fall and winter, malt ciders, um, anything that's, I mean, I love the fall. So I totally embrace all those drinks. So 100%. and. So, like, and then it works with like Prosecco and champagne so it's it's kind of pretty versatile
2: <laughs> it is interesting when you have a spirit like this that can really cross over into those seasons and you know Bianca mentioned winter cocktails thing hot toddy came to mind I feel like any sort of booze that you want to throw in with tea always end up ends up working and this with the uh the botanicals and that heat I feel like would work really well with it as well Um uh, yep. but there's a lot of like bourbon is something that I don't really, you know, drink during the summer, I enjoy it, but it has to be kind of like a cold winter, or like at night or something like that, where this you could definitely see it kind of crossing over both. And that's something that I've found with some some, you know, like rum seems like the opposite where rums like that summer drink to me, and I don't really do rum a lot in the winter where this one, you know, kind of takes that place all those cocktails that you do, those fruity beach cocktails, I could see this in that. And then those hot, you know, winter ones or that just winter sipper, this definitely plays in those as well.
1: Yeah, for sure. For sure. Hot toddy is a great one too. I mean, we had the gin and tonic we did with the matcha tea. So kind of the riff on like the hot toddy um, with the tea and, I, you know, that whole, you know, when you have a, what is it, whatever ails you, that's, you know, sort of what you your go to do the (laughs) go-to yeah for sure it's a yeah I mean there's a lot of a lot of room for experimentation for I mean people come up to me and they'll say or they'll send me a you know dm on instagram or whatever and and they'll say I just tried it with have you ever tried it like this and it's like all these really cool recipes so I'm really open for that too for your audience you know um, any recommendations questions uh, suggestions happy to to take them all on and make them.
0: Yeah, and bouncing back to your intro, uh, you you know you didn't ha- necessarily have like the spirits education, or you kind of went through and and learned everything young, and kind of have been working in it for years, right? So, what has it been like to break into the spirit space, having not really had the experience that a lot of other, yeah. especially these big brands, you know, they have. Yeah.
1: It's it's eye-opening is the word I'd use. Um it's an ex- it's an experience. It certainly is. And actually to parlay it's a great question because I am currently in the process of actually building a consulting business off of this. So for again your audience who may be listening and interested in learning a li- little bit more of the business side of the world um I have been, you know, kind of building this business myself. So to break into the business, it's very, it's an entire education. Um, I feel like you could almost like major in it in college. Like there's so much to learn between the state and the federal and the state by state regulations and the TTB. And, you know, I'll just use this as an example. This is different than this. That's different than the formula. That's different than the label. Like every single piece of component of this is completely different as far as getting, approvals and all of that. So it's definitely an education um, and it's definitely something that's, it requires a lot of time, knowledge. You know, I the pandemic was, labor- it was, you know, horrendous for a lot, you know, everyone really. Um, but the only good things that came out of it, I guess, was being able to really kind of dive in and just like immerse myself in the space of, you know, kind of the law and, and knowing exactly what goes into all of it. Um, the behind the scenes, so that was the good part of of, of you know kind of just having extra time. Um, but I am actually parlaying this into a business of some sort. So I'm I'm consulting and I'm trying to help. I've been approached by numerous people to sort of start. Um, their own brands, and, you know, kind of sign an NDA, and I'm definitely not in the business of stealing anyone's ideas, but, um, you know, kind of lending an ear or helping them to, however, you know, a degree that if they have questions, if they want to bounce ideas off of me, I would, I definitely have learned lessons along the way, Um, so happy to talk to anybody who's interested in kind of starting their own, in their own world, because it is, it's a, lot and um you know it's it's especially not coming from a background of you know my family owned a distillery or anything like that um you know i i definitely there's things i would do again differently there's things that i've learned along the way um it's it's a very very well connected people all kind of know each other in this world so to break in is it's it's a little bit of a, of a challenge so i definitely you know i definitely think it's it's it has a lot of there's a lot of benefits but it's diff- it's, a, it's a it's an interesting difficult world as well so oh. there's good days and bad days like anything else
2: how long did it take from the first the origination of the idea to the first time that a bottle actually hit like a store shelf or a bar or restaurant shelf
1: it was a couple of years it's a it, with the trial and error the flavor is you know really the juice um as they say it's it takes a bit to get to that sort of this is it nailed it place of this is you know kind of what you're vision is then you kind of play with it and then it's like okay now we have to replicate it that's the hard part <laughs> replicate it so it can sit on shelves for who knows you know like it, it has to sit in a palette so it can't just be something that works for the next 30 days it has to be replicated to the point where it has shelf life so
2: was there like a uh like a scientific method that you use here where you taking notes do you have a certain batch numbers before you finally got the number one
1: there was some like back of the napkin stuff happening for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: We had, uh, we recently had Jackie Summers from Sorella Curran. He was telling us yep. he knows the number. He was like number 624 right. was the yeah. batch that it took him. He was just toiling away in his kitchen.
1: Absolutely. And what happens along the way is you go, that's not it, but that's really good. And that's like, you put that on the back. Like, what was that? Like, that was good. It's not it, but it's delicious. That's
2: for version two. You're going to spin that into something <laughs> okay. else. There you go.
1: A couple lines down the, down the line. Exactly. Yep. For sure. Expand the portfolio. Keep that in the back burner. <laughs> yeah. And the whole label process is another thing. So just a quick, funny story. The label. Uh, I had brought like a mock-up type of bottle to like a tail, a uh, Chris Stapleton tailgate. And uh, I had people coming up to me like, do you have that in a t-shirt? Can I get a tattoo of it? And I was like, okay, that's a winner. So we'll put that away. Like the label's good. So it was just, it's all this fun stuff that you- that is the fun part of like experimentation and getting people's feedback and there's a lot that goes behind the scenes of just getting to where the bottle is like, oh, there it is. It's it's in, you know, you get your first shipment and you're like, oh my God, there it is in real life. Yeah, <laughs> it's a, that is the fun. Right. Thing.
0: You know, you've made it when someone wants
1: to tattoo your label on yeah. your arm,
0: so. <laughs> Exactly,
1: <laughs> exactly. It's always a good thing. Yep.
0: You mentioned that you're in Florida. So where can we yes. find Mexican now? Are you
1: um, nationwide or are you still very local to the East coast? So we're local to the East Coast right now. We started, like I said, in New York, New Jersey, um, and we're just opening the Florida market as we speak. Um, But we're in talks to expand that distribution, but we're available in 45 states through our e-commerce site. So that's the good news. So through Passion Spirits, we are available to 45 states currently, and we're in talks to be distributed, um, you know, obviously across the entire nation. Ironically, the Philippines is the number one gin drinking country country in the world, which is bizarre. Um, but not bizarre, but it's just sort of funny because most people do not associate, you know, sort of like the Philippines with gin drinking. It's like 43%, I think, of the population of the of the entire gin intake. Um, so we'd love to go global at the point. Um, but right now we are pretty much concentrated in the East Coast and then looking to go national from distribution perspective but if you were you know fan base wants to try a bottle we are available almost everywhere in the country
2: at the moment awesome well we're so glad you joined us tonight we definitely had a great time trying this out we're going to make some more cocktails out of this and we'll be posting them on instagram so you'll see those definitely experimenting with that hot toddy and espresso martini for sure so again thank you uh we'll definitely be sharing this out there so we'll share this and you'll be able to uh follow up. But thank Next you time. for joining us again tonight. Uh cheers. Thank cheers. you.
1: Cheers. Thanks so much, guys.
0: uncorkedcorner.com for a taste of more food and beverage content.
2: And if you enjoyed the show, don't forget to leave a comment, subscribe, rate, and review on whatever podcast platform you prefer. Thanks for listening.